Welcome to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hanson, hosted by attorneys Sean Garner and Adam Hanson. Good morning, Yuma. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I'm Sean Garner, attorney with Deason, Garner, and Hanson. I'm in studio here with my partner, Adam Hanson. Good morning, sir. Good morning. And I also have across the table from me, Cody Beeson, who's running the boards and pushing buttons. So we've got an excellent show for you this morning. We're going to be talking about IRS agents and how they're armed and ready to make sure you pay your taxes. And if you don't, then uh, they have the federal government and personal firearms on their side to ensure that you do. Uh, We have Adam Hansen, who has uh, shown a bit of a softer side lately. We started a farm last week, so we are officially farmers. And... uh, Adam wants to talk about uh, a special attachment that he has to one of the goats. That uh, <laughs> why do you say it like that? That sounds so bad. Well, no, only if you. And make, I'm, only I'm if not you a farmer. You're the farmer, and I just bummed off of you. Do you own goats? I own a couple goats and sheep. So that makes you one a rancher. Sheep. That makes him a rancher, right? Yeah. He's so, not a farmer. He's a rancher. And I think it's actually farmer and rancher appreciation day today. Oh. Actually, it was last week. Okay. And uh, so. Thank you, Adam, for your contribution to... Thank you for allowing my two little goats to be on your property. So last week, this this is a story, okay? I've wanted goats for a while, and I think that came up in one of our shows not too long ago when I went off. Sean was talking, and he lost my attention, and uh, he wanted me to say something, and lo and behold, I was on Craigslist looking for goats, and so he was offended by that. Well, yeah, I've wanted them for a couple years, and every once in a while, I look for goats, okay? It's not a big deal. You don't need to make a big deal out of it. <laughs> it what, what did you do after work yesterday? Yeah, I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> so I bought, we bought a couple goats uh, on, was it Monday night? And um, I, my wife was not on board with this, okay? It was about 5.20 in the afternoon on Monday, and I was, I was, I, I was like, oh, I got to go. And I'm trying to get out the door, and my wife's like, where are you going? It's dinner time. She's putting dinner like in the oven. And I was like, oh, I got to go somewhere. And she's like, it better not be goats. And I was like, oh, well, I forgot to tell you. <laughs> and she's like, no, we're not getting goats. I'm like, well, here's the thing. We're not getting goats technically. We're going to get some goats, but they're going to be a Sean's property so we'll pay him a boarding fee every month you know for these little goats to be there so it won't even, you won't even know and she wasn't having it so after i talked to her talked her down a little bit i said i thought it could be like a family activity we're gonna go get these goats let's load everybody up in the van we'll go get these goats did she accuse you of using your lawyer lawyering skills no she didn't not this time anytime i get in an argument if 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 i make any success or progress in the argument i'm accused of using lawyering or logic yeah, it's mm, called logical well, reasoning that's not how they see it so we go to this place, which was awesome. They had hundreds of goats there. And uh, my dad had been there before with um, our good friend, Thor. It, it, it's not Thor, okay? It's Thor, he's a, doc, he's a dentist in town, but he's our good friend. And so he's, he's getting wrapped up in this whole adventure as well. So they're already there picking out their goats. And, and I told my dad ahead of time, pick out a couple goats. You know, you're the guy that knows. I don't know goats very well. Um, and so by the time we got there... He had a goat picked out, but I wanted a couple goats. And so as we were talking and looking at the goats, my wife was by my side, and there was one particular goat who was really, like, friendly. 
It was out of all the goats. The goats were running away, you know, when we came up to these stalls. But this particular goat did the opposite. It came up like a dog would do and and uh, got up on its two legs and on the fencing. And and my wife was petting it the whole time. And, and so after about 15 minutes, you know, we're trying to figure out what goat to get. She's like, I want this one. And I'm like, well, that's not a milk. Go- I want a milk goat, like a dairy goat that puts out a lot of milk. This isn't one of those. This is more of a meat goat. She's like, well, I want this goat. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so we got that goat. And lo and behold, it's been a personal favorite of everybody. So we get these goats back to Sean's property and let them loose, you know. And they're all scattering around. The kids are chasing them. But this goat, we named her Daisy. Daisy didn't run. She just keeps by your side like a little dog. And uh, you can pet her, and she's just so sweet. And so uh, Sean was telling me yesterday, you told me this yesterday before. The reason I went over to the property on my way home to see Daisy, okay, it was just to see Daisy to say hi, was because you'd said after we left on Monday night that you hung around for a little bit and Daisy followed you everywhere and she was right by your side. You didn't have to worry about her running away. And so that made me want to go see her after work yesterday it's not a big deal okay it's not a big deal daisy's smart she knows she cannot become a meat goat no she has <laughs> yeah. personality that's what it is Daisy's around for the long term yeah because i said you know jess uh my wife is like she's a meat goat so we're gonna have to butcher her she's like no we're not gonna butcher her and i think daisy yeah, i think you're exactly right she's a smart goat she's like if i get a, a an affection from these people they won't kill me so you still need another goat for the milk then, right? Yeah, I got another goat for the milk. She's pregnant, so we'll see what happens. So on less interesting topics, uh, let's discuss what's going on with uh, the 87,000 IRS agents that uh, we have now $80 billion to spend to hire and to weaponize. What's your When you hear that, what's your initial reaction? And then we'll talk a little bit more about how this is intended to roll out and what Republicans intend to do if elected and take over control of the house and possibly the Senate. So I actually spoke, I didn't tell you this, but I had a client the other day who used to work for like, I want to say 30, 35 years for the IRS. She was retired by now when I was dealing with her, we were putting together some legal planning for her and, and she's, she was from the state of Washington. And I brought this topic up. I asked, what do you think about this hiring of all these new IRS agents and giving them firearms to enforce the administrative law of the IRS? And she, she herself, as a former IRS agent, thought that was ludicrous. So that made me feel better. I thought maybe she'd have some sort of um, different take on it or like uh, some sort of, um, what would you call that, a... Uh, uh, an affiliation to or a, a feeling to support the IRS no matter what. Uh, but she didn't. She didn't. Ha- she's like, that's crazy. Um, there's no reason for that kind of thing. So that was my gut reaction. You asked what my reaction was when I heard the first story break about this happening was that that is crazy to me. Um, and it's really kind of like the the Gestapo coming out, in my opinion, to really enforce administrative law, which I've talked about on this show before. It's not my favorite thing in the world is admin law, even the administrative agencies. I think uh, personally, I think they should not exist. They should be gutted um, because they're not enumerated in our constitution. They came through um, executive orders originally 
uh, way back when in the, the late 1800s. And um, when I talk about administrative agencies, what I'm talking about is anything that was created by the legislature or through the executive branch using the stroke of a pen or um, certain criteria in order to create what's been called now the fourth branch of government in our system, an administrative agency would be something like the Border Patrol, IRS, uh, Department of Agriculture, Department of blah, blah, blah. Any of those are what we would call administrative agencies. And those administrative agencies have a ton of power. <clears throat> and the reason why I don't like them is because what's happened over time is they they have the capacity to do all duties of every branch of government within themselves. Right. So an IRS agency can say, well, these are the rules. In other words, they're acting as the legislature. They're creating rules. And then if you don't follow those rules, we're going to fine you or put you in prison. So they create the rules or laws. They also... Uh, enforce them, which enforce is the executive branch. Enforce them or branch. prosecute them, executive branch. And they also interpret them. Yeah, if I don't like what they did, I have to appeal to them to say, hey, that's unconstitutional. You can't put me in jail because of this, that, or the other. Or the laws that you put in, in force are unconstitutional. You don't have a right to do that. And they're very quick to hear the argument. They say, okay, if you have a complaint, that's fine. We have a, 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 an appeal that you can file. Um, we go before a hearing. It just happens to be an administrative law judge that you're going to go before. And by just coincidence, that judge happens to be on our payroll. Yeah. So what I mean by administrative agencies having all these duties, all these powers of all the government, they are acting as the legislator and creating laws. They're acting as the executive branches enforcing those laws. And then if you don't like it, they're acting as a judiciary because they hear it. They hear that, that uh, appeal or they hear that uh, complaint and then they decide whether you have an issue or not. And I would say it's kind of like going to Vegas. Vegas always wins in that case. It's very rare that you're going to win against an administrative agency when you say, hey, I don't like what you're doing to me. Oh, well, that's too bad. Well, yeah, and you can look at the record um, when you, you're put in that position to determine whether or not it's worth your time, money, and energy to an appeal a decision. Uh, what is the, the likelihood that people win on appeal? And traditionally through administrative bodies, the administration is found to be correct or found to be exercising their discretion appropriately more than 90% of the time. I know I do uh, Medicaid applications for individuals who qualify for assistance for long-term care. And if we get a decision, regardless of what it's about on any of the rules for Altex, Arizona long-term care systems, um, then if we appeal it, we look at the record and 90% of the time, regardless of what the decision was, what, what it was made or what the rule was based on, the likelihood is that we're going to lose. And even if we don't lose, it takes about a year to get through the process. And by that time, the applicant is potentially dead. So then they say, okay, fine, you win. Uh, what, what does your client need? Oh, they're dead now? Oh, well, then I guess we can move on. Yeah, and so you go through that whole um, experience of, of stress and emotional distress, right? And to, to just be really, it feels like, repressed by our own government. And so what's the, what's the uh, relief to that? You're going to go in front of a, if I don't like what the agency is doing, 
I think that they're they're acting unconstitutionally, then I would appeal to them and say, hey, I think you're not doing what you're supposed to, or you're you're oppressing me because of this, that, or the other. That's unconstitutional. And you'll probably lose that battle at the administrative agency level, is what I hear you to say. And I agree with that. That's why I don't like administrative agencies. You're not going to win there. But what's the relief? How do you get relief um, from that if you don't like that decision? Then you can appeal to the Supreme Court, Right. So you go from you go from the administrative agency to the district courts, federal district courts, and up through the court system to the Supreme Court ultimately. And there you might win, but in order to get there, you're going to have to dish out a lot of money. So the average citizen really is at a disadvantage unless you have a ton of money or you're pooling your resources and time. Maybe you you know somebody else that has the same issue. You can pull those things together, and you all work together to go against this beast of an agency. And you go up through those appeal, the appeal process up to the Supreme Court. But really, it, it would take the perfect fact set. It would take the perfect uh, scenario of, of plaintiffs to bring these cases and go all the way to the Supreme Court to ultimately declare that that admin agency is, is unconstitutional and what it's doing, blah, 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 blah. So it's very difficult. Very, very difficult. It's an uphill battle. And therefore, we are subjected to these agencies and their rules, like the IRS, and uh, with very little, I would argue, remedy. Right? right? It's very difficult to overcome that. So what's another way we can get rid of that? Well, we're going to talk about that. We've got to take a break. But we're going to talk about what uh, Republicans that are uh, pursuing uh, authority and, and to be elected for both the House and the Senate as to what they're going to do with what they feel is overreach by the executive and administrative branches. So this is Life, Death, and the Law. We'll be back more thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law right here after this. Hey, you, my Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back. This is Life, Death, and the Law. I'm attorney Adam Hanson. This is KBLU 560 AM, and I've got uh, my partner here, Sean Garner, with me, and we've got Cody. Prior to the break, we were talking about the agencies that we have in our U.S. government system and how they're created and and really the real danger of them, in my opinion. And I think, Sean, you're probably in line with this. I brought up or I posed a question in that last segment where we talked about, well, if you don't like what the IRS is doing, you don't like how the Border Patrol is doing something, what is your remedy? 
you would have to file a complaint with that agency. And usually, like we talked about, um, that's going to go in front of a panel of judges, but they're administrative law judges within that administrative agency. So IRS uh, judges are going to decide whether or not you're right or wrong in what you're bringing before them. And usually you don't win there. And so my question is, well, how do you win against an administrative agency? What is your relief? And usually that comes in the form of if you have the money and the resources and the time, then you would take that fight once you lose at the admin level all the way up to the Supreme Court. It would take years to get there and the right facts set for the Supreme Court to take that particular case. But there is an alternative, and our founders built that into our actual Constitution that is enumerated. Administrative agencies are nowhere to, If you were to read the Constitution, there is no mention of an administrative agency, the IRS, the Department of, of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, all the things that are in the news headlines right now for being uh, government overreach, uh, bursting into your house at uh, 5 o'clock in the morning with their guns drawn at you because uh, you... We're protesting outside a Planned Parenthood place. Uh, we call those no-knock warrants. And in my opinion, extremely unconstitutional. However, these agencies are doing that every day. Um, and so how do you fight against that? Well, one of those ways is built into the Constitution. It's enumerated therein. And that's through Congress. So the legislative branch is said to control the purse strings of our government. And they actually do. So in the Constitution, it says that the, the Congress, the legislative branch, has the power to tax. But they also have the power to not only levy taxes, but they control the purse strings of these agencies. Sean, you mentioned at the very end of our last uh, segment that we're seeing a fight or a battle in Congress right now between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party, those that have power, the Democratic Party, um, they're kind of falling in line with this new hiring of these IRS agents, and, and, and they're saying, oh, well, they're not going to persecute people. Everything's going to be okay. You don't need to worry about it. Yeah, they have guns. They're allowed to use their guns, which is unprecedented. It's never been done before, but don't worry. They're not going to use them. They just could use them in case the person runs. You know, it's not a big deal. Right. In fact, I've, I've got a, a quote here from Janet Yellen, uh, the Treasury Secretary, that she told that, um, <clears throat> I, I believe it was CBS News, that the IRS employees at, uh, that were going to be in hire, that were going to be uh, hired and armed. Dispatched. Yes, under this, uh, this new relief bill, um, were going to assist everyday families. To, <laughs> to make sure well, that's a nice way of saying it yes that they Aww. actually received um answers to their questions about taxes and that they received um the deductions that they were um entitled to and th that they weren't going to be going after anybody that makes less <laughs> than four hundred thousand dollars although there was a motion um and an amendment proposed by the republicans saying okay well can we write that in the bill and and the democrats said absolutely not they said, well, you're promising that they're not going to go after anybody that makes under 400000 that it's just going to go after the rich and the people that are evading taxes. So why don't we just write that into the bill? And they said, no, absolutely not. We're not going to put any type of um, restrictive language there. And so he here's precisely what she said. In fact, we expect the audit rates for honest taxpayers to decline. 
once the IRS has the right technological infrastructure in place. And that means simpler tax filing season for taxpayers who are doing everything right. Do we really believe that? That more IRS agents are going to make it a simpler tax filing season for for the average taxpayer? Since when does hiring more government agents make the process easier? If they rolled out and said, hey, we want to uh, acquire QuickBooks, not QuickBooks, uh, uh, TurboTax. Mm -hmm. We want to acquire this massive program that can allow Americans to file their taxes for free. And implement a, a, a proven tax tool to the federal agency's accepted method of of filing the taxes. If they had done something like that, we need this $80 billion for that. But no, we need $80 billion to arm 87,000 agents. It's just different signals, you know? They're not trying to make it easier. Yeah, and getting right to the actual job posting, um, this is what the, the posting says that is advertising for new applicants for IRS agents. You must be willing and able to participate in arrests, execution of search warrants, and other dangerous assignments. You must be able to carry a firearm and willing to use deadly force if necessary. That's what it says. And, and the job application. That's beyond an accountant, you know. So who's lying to us? Because we see from the mainstream media that it says that, that the Republicans are basically fear-mongering about all of these new IRS agents. Oh, no, they're not going to go out there and be kicking in doors and using their guns. Um, but the, 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 the very job posting suggests otherwise. And I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to get a letter from the IRS, let alone a phone call or even a knock on the door. And I hadn't even conceived of them carrying a gun. It was just the very fact that they can seize my bank account with no due process and demonstrating that I've done anything wrong and put a lien on my house and uh, my car and garnish my wages. I thought that was enough. Yeah, they don't need guns. I thought that might be enough to make any grown person a little... their pants? Yeah. (laughs) You know, right? Or run? They're already a little bit fearful of this agency do we need to give them guns what, what, what was it that they were being disrespected to the level that now they have to have guns in order to get the respect that they're entitled to i think of the like within our friend circle and then in, in what we do professionally here in yuma as attorneys we deal with a lot of cpas a lot of accountants and the thought of giving them a gun kind of scares me like yeah they're great at what they do on the computer punching numbers finding deductions but I don't know how good they are with a handgun. And if that were to come into my house, I'd be worried for my dog, my goat, and uh, all the stray bullets that might come. Like, I don't want that person firing a weapon. Like, what are you going to hit with that? Right. And, and I like to look at things sometimes um, just to try to get a bigger perspective on it, on how history might look back at this time period. And uh, so when history looks back and says, well, this is where the Republic failed, Right then they they might mark this as one of those milestones. It was the point where they armed all the IRS agents, right? The people that were just supposed to be crunching numbers to determine whether or not you're you're paying uh, your appropriate tax rate. It was the point that the the, the public allowed their president and legislatures to arm those individuals, basically like Roman soldiers in a Jewish province, right back in the um, time of Christ they were called publicans and and they weren't very 
highly regarded among the Jewish people. They were hated among the Jewish people. In fact, Christ was scorned for even entertaining a publican. Matthew was a publican, a tax collector for the Roman government. And they, the Jewish people said, you can't possibly be the Messiah because you, you talk with publicans. Well, the IRS agents are now becoming more and more similar and akin to those Roman soldiers that, hey, pay up or lose your life type deal. In our American history, it's even deeply ingrained within us. I mean, this was the reason we sought our sovereignty from England. Uh, we, we broke away from England and the dictatorship that that presented, the kingship that that presented to us because of taxes. That was the number one issue. Yeah. Because the king's men could come into your house at any time, armed, and force you to prison. They could take your property. They could take, uh, they could take your life. If the king declared so, and that property be his, I don't, I don't really see the difference here. I mean, what is the difference rather than, than having, yes, we don't have a king, we have a president, but if the president can do what a king can do without any, without any checks or balances, then what do we have here? Is it really a republic or is it... It's a dictatorship. A dictatorship. Right. It's, it's, it's tyrannical. We are not being represented by the individuals in the House and in the Senate. They are not, they're no longer responsible to us, especially when the president can say that he's going to forgive student debt, okay, which I don't believe he's paying that out of his own pocket. Um, I'll have to fact check that, but I don't think he's offering to pay for all the student debt out of his own pocket. And unless he's willing to do that, then he's paying for it out of our pockets, right? And he's doing that by taxes. Well, what if we don't want to pay those taxes? Ah, that's no problem. I got 87,000 new IRS agents that are fully armed. We'll, we'll make sure we come to a, a reasonable conclusion. I have a, <clears throat> every, every year when tax season comes around, I have a hard time with it because I think to myself, well, I don't really agree with the legislation that's been passed, especially for social justice issues. You know, if you want to tell my child who is a boy that they're a girl and then start prescribing hormones to change things and to alter their behavior and their their mental state, if you want to come in and, and dictate to our schools what's going to be taught and that, that there's going to be some sort of racial uh, appropriations that, that uh, my children have to learn. So you have all these government programs that are pushed by my money that I give to you. And if you, rem if you think about it, the government should not have money. They don't make money. They shouldn't make money. The government takes our money, puts it in a purse, and then they reallocate that somewhere into social justice programs that they deem to be necessary for the community. I don't agree with that. And that's why elections have consequences. You hear that all the time. Elections have consequences. They absolutely do. So in 2020, this is the consequence of that 2020 election was when we when we saw the Democrats take power, when Biden came in and he, by the stroke of a pen, undid almost everything that Trump signed as an executive order, he reversed all that, and then our world came crashing down. Our oil prices spiked. Our, our, uh, our security at the border has never been worse, right? Uh, things are just coming crashing down. And that's the consequence of the 2020 election. Well, now we've got midterms in November uh, next month. And so we have an opportunity to do something about what's been done in 2020. Can we erase everything? No, but we can really turn back the clock if we want to. But it really comes in the form of the legislature, where the, execu where the executive branch is checked is through the legislature. And that comes by 
their enumerated power of gutting things because they control the purse strings. Right. So if the IRS, if the executive branch says, no, we're, we're going forward with these 87,000 new IRS agents and we're going to arm them and we're going to fund them with $80 billion, then Congress can come in if we elect those that are, are willing to stand up and say, that is an overreach and there's no way we're going to take our money our, the people, money through taxes and then fund that that activity. There's no way we're going to do that. Therefore, we're gutting funding. You don't get $80 billion. In fact, you don't get any money anymore. Right. IRS, go ahead and go hire 87,000 people already have with enough no money. Power. Yeah. You already have enough authority. The taxpayers have had it. We, we understand that we have to take, pay taxes. We don't necessarily agree with the tax laws, but I believe that um, currently... The risks of not paying taxes or evading taxes are already high enough. We don't need somebody threatening us with a gun to do it. And I, I totally agree with that. We have to take a break. This is 560 AM KBLU, Life, Death, and the Law. More thought-provoking conversation coming up next on Life, Death, and the Law, right here after this. Yuma, Dave Ramsey here. If you listen to our show or know anything about us, then you know I only recommend products and services I trust and I believe in. That's why when it comes to protecting your assets and planning for your loved one's future, you've got to call my friends Sean Garner and Adam Hansen at the law firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen. I encourage you to take the first step and attend a free, no-pressure seminar and learn all of your options. The firm of Deason, Garner, and Hansen has been educating the Yuma community for over 40 years, and this is the only area of law that they practice. Sean and Adam believe in giving free education to help people make smart decisions about their assets and help them leave a legacy for their family that they can be proud of. Schedule a free personal consultation today. Call 783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com. You're listening to Life, Death, and the Law, presented by Deason, Garner, and Hanson, the law firm that has been voted Yuma's best six years in a row. Welcome back. This is Life, Death, and Law on 560 AM KBLU. You're listening to attorney Adam Hansen and attorney Sean Garner, my partner. And then we've got Cody Beeson as well with us. He's, uh, he's our good um, panel button pusher and uh, making everything sound as good as he can. We've been talking a lot today about uh, really government overreach and, and looking ahead uh, of the election coming in, in November uh, to the midterms and what consequence that might play in our American daily life. And you might not think that it does, but it, it will. We've seen the destruction that can be done in, in less than two years under a president that uh, really doesn't know what he's doing and his administration is out of control. And we've all experienced that. And it doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or you're a Republican. Uh, everybody's pretty much on board at this point that this has been a disaster. And the vice president is, isn't in any better shape. Nobody likes her. Nobody likes the president. And uh, everybody's just really kind of abandoning ship at this point. I was talking to my wife last night about how I thought it was really interesting now now the media is starting to report on the Hunter 
uh, laptop story and all these ties to not only Ukraine, but Russia and China and the Biden family uh, getting paid to play and and introducing these relationships over the course of the last 10 years and um, using influence. It's what we call it influence peddling, which is highly illegal. Uh, but uh, now they're coming to the forefront. And I, I mentioned this to my wife last night. I'm like, why now? And then it dawned on me, oh, it's because they don't want Biden to run again. It doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. The, the Democratic Party doesn't want Biden. They don't want Kamala Harris. And so, yeah, they're, they're like, let it rip. Let these things go and let's get this guy out of here because uh, he's bad for, for um, branding. And I think that's an important point. Unless it gets the green light from the established Democratic Party, then it's not going to see the light of day. We live and, in- and, and so when you see news, you're like, huh, why did the Democrats let that out? And you got to go back, track the money, track, okay, what's on the political horizon for them? Is it Joe Biden? No? Oh, okay, this starts to make sense. I was reading an article just uh, yesterday on Reuters, and I, well, I was reading a news article that, that mentioned the disinformation of 2,000 mules by Dinesh D'Souza, and it had hyperlinked that has been debunked. It said debunked uh, 2,000 mules. And I was like, oh, it's been, deb- I've seen it. Uh-huh. And I didn't know it was debunked. So I was like, oh, they've, they've debunked it. Okay. Right. So I clicked on the hyperlink for the debunked. It took me to a Reuters article and it's like, this is why 2,000 mules is inaccurate and it's been debunked. And by the end of, I, I read that article. It took me probably 15 minutes to get through that article because I like to read slow and digest everything. But by the end of it, I was like, I don't feel like it's debunked. You didn't really debunk it. Uh, you've brought up arguments, but those arguments are really easy to disprove. Um, but that's the age that we live in. So we're fed by the mainstream media a certain narrative. And sometimes even our government. Uh, I, I think the Biden administration really proves that point almost daily with their press secretary trying to spin things, you know, telling us that, oh, it's not inflation. It's, uh, it's a stretching of of the american dollar or it's you know it's uh, they're not irs agents aren't going to come into your house they're really going to be doing you a service they're going to yeah. be cooking dinner for you and, and, and it wasn't our administration's fault it was putin's fault it's putin's price <laughs> Putin or trump trump is the devil uh, so that's the narrative that we get almost on a daily basis and and sean you had this clip that you really i thought brought brought home the point that you really I don't want to say you don't trust the government. You can't tr- trust the government. I think you can sometimes, and, and sometimes you can't. But it's almost, it's interesting to me, when we went through law school, Sean, in crim law, in criminal law, that whole body of law is really dealing with the police. It's uh, the executive branch and the police. And the whole point of that is whether or not the police acted constitutionally or not. And we talk about Miranda rights. We talk about uh, the Fourth Amendment. We talk about search and seizures. And it's always trying to figure out, did the, the police act in a constitutional way? And if not, then we throw out that evidence. Through that body of law, I was really interested to, to learn when we went to law school that the police, because the Supreme Court says so, they can lie to us. They can elicit things from us through using lies. They can say, well, I know your buddy told me. Your buddy told me that you went in and robbed that bank. And uh, so do you, you might as well just fess up to it. Yeah. They can use a, a lie to get you entrapped or to get the truth out of a person, what they perceive as the truth. That runs them into a, a corner sometimes because sometimes people, after being in an, in an interrogation for over 15 hours and sleep-deprived and delirious, they'll admit something that really they didn't do or didn't happen because 
that tends to happen when you're psychologically broke. You just admit to stuff to get out of that room. So it doesn't work all the time. It's not a perfect science, but the Supreme Court has has ruled that police, the executive branch, they can lie to you when they're seeking to find the truth from a suspect. But yet, I can't lie to a policeman. If he asks me a question, I can't lie to him or else I'll be charged with a crime. And I don't like that it doesn't go both ways. Uh, in my, my opinion, if he can lie to me, I can lie to you. You, you don't have a right to lie to me and I can't lie to you. I, what kind of power is that? Like that? And so having said that, I just want to lay the groundwork for this clip that Sean's going to play because keep in mind, the government can lie to you and they, they have the backing of the Supreme Court that says, yeah, they can do that. Well, and, and we, we, we played this clip on, on the most recent statement from Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen that says, we expect that with these new 87,000 IRS agents, the audit rate for honest taxpayers will decline and that the tax paying process or the tax returns will become simpler and easier. That's what she's quoted in saying. And so can we just take that as gospel? Is that truth? Well, let's look back in time. There was, a um, in March, an interview with Marco Rubio, who's a, a Republican senator from Florida, and he's trying to determine from um, the Foreign Affairs Committee whether or not there are biological weapons in Ukraine. What, what's going on in Ukraine? Why is Russia so adamant about securing these, these labs? And so he wanted to elicit out of uh, Victoria uh, Newland, who is um, Undersecretary for Foreign Affairs, that there were no biological weapons in Ukraine. And so this is how the interview went. Now, this is um, Russell Brand, who's interpreting the interview. So I stole this clip from his show. I'm sure he'd forgive me. Borrowed. Yesterday afternoon, Undersecretary of State Victoria Newland appeared before the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Senator Marco Rubio, hoping to debunk growing claims that there are chemical weapons labs in Ukraine, asked Newland, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? Rubio undoubtedly expected a flat denial by Newland, thus providing further proof that such speculation is dastardly fake news emanating from the Kremlin, the CCP and QAnon. Instead, Newland did something completely uncharacteristic for her, for neocons and for senior US foreign policy officials. For some reason, she told a version of the truth. Her answer visibly stunned Rubio, who as soon as he realized the damage she was doing to the US messaging campaign by telling the truth, interrupted her and demanded that she instead affirm that if a biological attack were to occur, everyone should be 100% sure that it was Russia who did it. Grateful for the life raft, Newland told Rubio he was right. Now we can have a look at that with our own little eyes and with our own little minds. Assess who are you going to believe, the government or your own lying eyes, the mainstream media or your own ability to look at stuff and decide for yourself. Got to be the old government and media, hasn't it? I mean, they never let us down before. I only have a minute left. Let me ask you, um, does Ukraine have chemical or biological weapons? And this is where you say no, and we can carry on with our presumed narrative. Uh, Ukraine has uh, biological research facilities. Oh, no, that's not good. Which, in fact, we are now quite concerned Russian troops, Russian forces may be seeking to 
uh, gain control of. What? What? No! No, no, no! Abort! Abort! So we are working with the Ukrainians. Pretty sure it's not Ukrainians. The Ukrainians. If you are an undersecretary for state affairs, do learn the name of Ukrainians. On how they can prevent any of those research materials from falling into the hands of uh, Russian forces should they approach. So, like... You know, Russia presumably have got their own scientists, their own laboratories, their own narrative, their own agenda, their own perspective on this situation. Clearly, all this is true. So whatever it is that's in that biological research facility, it warrants some concern. So we have it from both sides of the aisle. We're fed a narrative that uh, this is what we should believe. This is who we should support. The government is always looking out for our best interest. We don't need to be concerned about side effects of a, a vaccine that was developed at record pace that has never been developed faster. Most vaccines take 7 to 20 years to develop. Uh, you should trust the government that this vaccine is safe and not only get the jab yourself, but uh, administer to all your loved ones, including your children, and, and don't worry about any side effects down the road. Or, yes, uh, Russia is 100% bad and Ukraine is 100% good, and we should open up our purse strings to an unlimited amount and go into excessive amounts of debts to fund them in this war regardless of a potential nuclear holocaust. We, we should accept all of these. And I'm not saying that uh, that's not right. Maybe that is correct. But perhaps we should look at it through our own objective lenses. Look at the actual raw source of the material, the government, and then look at their track record as to how well they've served us in the past and determine for ourselves if they are the best um, objective decision makers for healthcare decisions, for... Um, for decisions as to how the enforcement and whether it's necessary of the IRS agency should be going forward. Do they need firearms to make sure that we pay our taxes? Or is it taking away all of our personal property and destroying our lives financially? Isn't that enough? Um, do they Should the money maybe be allocated to something else that might be uh, looming out there? I don't know, maybe the border. It seems like we're having a little bit of an issue with... Uh, immigrants coming over from the border and maybe you like immigrants but they need to be processed either way we only have 20,000 border agents now we're going to get 87,000 IRS agents it seems to be a bit lopsided to me so what we're suggesting here is look at the government scrutinize them for their track record and decide for yourself who you want to represent you especially going into these November elections I think elections have consequences we talked about that and really the theme of this show is today, or the takeaway I would say is get ready to vote in November, and hopefully uh, you've done your research and you can look for those candidates that have proposed certain things that might uh, align with what you personally believe. And I think um, Congress has the power to pull back some of the funding from these administrative agencies that are currently, in my opinion, they're, they're overreaching. And so I'm going to be looking, personally, I'm going to be looking on the ballot for people that are going to be courageous enough to do that, to take away funding from admin agencies and um, give it back to the people or uh, put it to other causes like the, the defense of our nation, um, not to Ukraine, but the defense of our homeland here, maybe building the border wall. Hey, that's a start, uh, picking that back up. So um, that's what I'm going to be looking at on the ballot is for, for people that will use the, my money that I have to give to them to to better the security of our nation. 
One amazing anomaly that uh, occurred to me is the fact that in California, right across the border here, uh, they're getting um, stimulus checks um, up towards to $1,300 per person for a stimulus check. The government is paying them that money, and uh, Gavin Newsom is, is he's sure to be signing those checks, right? So they know who it's coming from, as if it's him that created the money and that is giving it to them as a gesture of his charitable intent to his people and his constituents, when in reality, he didn't, it's none of his money. That, that's the public's money. And a lot of that money went to California from the federal government who collected it from the states. And so essentially we are all giving those individuals a stimulus check from our money. And the politicians are taking credit for it. Can't they just eliminate the stimulus checks and reduce the taxes in the first place? Why is there a surplus in the state treasury? That, that means they tax us too much. They should only tax us for the essential elements of government services that we need. And if they've got too much, then reduce the taxes for the next year. We don't need you to uh, unilaterally and arbitrarily distribute it to everybody. Let's just reduce it on the current taxpayers that are bearing the burden of keeping these public facilities open. This has been another session of Life, Death, and the Law. We'll talk to you next week. If you have questions or want to know more about something that was discussed today, please call the law firm of Deason, Garner & Hanson at 928-783-4575 or visit yumaestateplanning.com.